0: This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit RedemptionAZ.com. All right, all right, all right. Go ahead and sit down. Just while you're being seated, I want you all to know that I love you big time. So thankful for you. So blessed to be a part of this community, just looking out in this room and seeing family. I'm so thankful for you. If you need a Bible, would you uh, make sure one of our ushers gets you one by just raise your hand real quick. We want you to have a Bible in your hand. We're preaching through the book of Titus. So if you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. But if you do have a Bible and just forgot to bring it, go ahead and raise your hand again, too. and, And just leave it on the seat and we'll pick it up. But we definitely want you to have a Bible, and you're going to turn to Titus chapter 1, and we're going to be there today in just a moment. Pastor Wes is going to come. A couple of uh, really cool things that happened. Well, last night, if you didn't get the chance to come to the RSU Talent Show fundraiser, could you give a hand to all of the people that, uh, my goodness. I'll tell you one thing. There's actually two things I, I was I, I, I learned, not learned, I knew, but were confirmed last night. One is how crazy our community actually is. We got some, some crazy folks up in here. Can you say amen to that? We're crazy and proud of it, happy about it. We get, when we get together, we just laugh, dance, have fun. That was a good time last night. Second thing is we have some really talented youth up in this place. I mean, they did an incredible job. Thank you, guys, all the work that you did. Dana and the team that uh, runs RSU, thank you so much for all of your leadership and their help on that. Here's a couple of cool things. Well, we're trying to raise, it costs $370 per kid for them to go to camp, and they do all that they can to raise the biggest majority of that so it doesn't cost that for our kids to go there. So all the ones that helped last night got help, um, and they raised uh, almost or right at $6,000 last night. So praise the Lord for that. All of you are so generous. One uh, visitor came and had never been here, and they were helping. and They said, "I just can't believe how generous your people are." That was, and that is a uh, a huge compliment. That's a huge compliment. Your generosity. Uh, we have a long ways to go to raise the find the monies there. And I know that you as you continue to be faithful in your giving, today as you drop off your tithes, if you can add extra on there to go towards the youth and you didn't couldn't come last night, whatever the amount is, if you just write on the other line for uh, youth camp, that All that money will go there and you can do that all the way up until the last fundraiser And so if even over the next months if you have money that you want to g- designate towards that would be really helpful second thing and we'll get out of the way so Pastor West can preach here. We have a gospel encounter coming up in May. If you don't know what the gospel encounter is, it's a day for us to not just preach the gospel, but to experience and to respond to the gospel. So it's a full day in which we start in the morning, we go all the way till dinner time, and it's a time for us to be able to, um, to be able to not just teach it, but to call us to respond to the gospel. We go through forgiveness and repentance, and uh, all, I mean just the work of the Spirit, we respond, we pray, and it's such an incredible time. Please sign up. There's ways to do that online and pay. It's only $40 for the day. That includes food and all the materials. So if you have questions, Pastor Wayne, or or, or talk to me or any of the elders, will try to help you. But you can go on Facebook. We'll have it on the website here this week sometime. Uh, you can sign up there and pay there. And if you're wanting to request a scholarship, We'll try to do what we can to help, but if you go, even you go, I want to go, and you register, there's a place to request a scholarship, and we'll see what we can do to help. But we want as many who can go uh, to be able to go through this. So one of the major joys of my life is to be a part of this community. I love this church. I love what God is doing in this place. And one of the big reasons why is because I love The elders that God has surrounded me with, to be a part of this community. And so you're seeing if you've been here before, Redemption Church is one of ten congregations in throughout Arizona. We love to be a part of that community. Inside of this community, there's five elders, and we all function as elders in this community. And so you're gonna see us even you know preaching and rotating our preaching. Um, Although I carry the bulk, these guys carry a huge weight with me to preach in this community. So I just want to introduce to you, if you don't know them, but most of you do, let's give a hand to our past Pastor Wes.
1: All right, mic check, one, two. You guys hear me out there?
0: Yeah.
1: All right, that's what I'm talking about. So good morning, and welcome to Redemption Alhambra Church, which I like to call Rack City. Rack city. <laughs> Our city, where tapestry is lived out, not just talked about, you know what I'm saying? Some of y'all are like, no, I don't know what you're saying. I have no, I, I have no idea what you're saying. But anyways, my name is Pastor Wes, and I'm one of five elders here at Redemption Church. And I got to say that it's an honor and privilege to be a pastor, but not only a pastor, but your pastor. Thank you for that. It's an honor and privilege to be a preacher, but not only a preacher, but your preacher. It's an honor and privilege to be a child of God, made in the image of his son, Jesus. (laughs) We got to know who we are, church. You got to know who you are. You got to know who you are because there's power when you know who you are in him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> We're peculiar people. We're strange. We're peculiar people, but we are blessed by the mighty hand of God. Amen. You got to know who you are. We are chosen. We are chosen to suffer with Christ. We are chosen to bear the name of Jesus on our backs. We are chosen to give our lives up to Jesus, give our lives up to Jesus so that they can be hidden in him, so that when Christ, who is our life, appears, we also will appear with him in glory. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful reality. But only if that reality We're just we're just true. If only that reality of who we are as saints would just come true, not only in our minds, but in our hearts and in our spirits, our lives would be lived differently. If you just knew who we were, the fleeting pleasures of this world wouldn't entangle us any longer if we just knew who we were. I'm telling you, I'm here to preach this morning. I'm here to preach to somebody this morning. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. I'm here to preach this morning. I'm here to preach a message to somebody. I pray that, 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 that God, through the power of his spirit, will just wake somebody up. Wake up. How long do you plan to slumber, zombies, sleepwalking through life? Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from your sleep. Come alive today by the power of his spirit. Why? Because salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Oh, I hope you hear that. I hope you hear that salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So come alive this morning. Oh, I wish that that truth that I just said, which is Romans. I wish that truth would be affirmed in every person's life in this room this morning. I wish that that truth would be affirmed in this church. But sadly, that isn't the case for many of us. Oh, we got to wake up we got to wake up but that's why we pray we pray like this we say father open up their eyes so that they can see your son where does your affections lie this morning where does your passions truly lie this morning where is the desires of your heart aimed at this morning, where are you this morning? Is it in Christ? Are your affections aimed at Jesus? Where are they? I'm going to ask you a question. How precious is the Son of God to you? Do you know him? How often do you consider Christ in your decisions that you make in life? How is it that you can consider Christ? I'm going to tell you it's easy. This is how you consider Jesus in your decisions. You let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly. This is the word of Jesus. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's a word from Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart they will see God. I hope you guys see that condition right there. There's a condition. You have to be pure in heart to see God, but let's not get it twisted because everybody in this room will see God, but it won't be a blessed occasion for everybody. Oh, I hope you hear that. Oh, I hope that woke you up. Are you awake this morning? Somebody say amen. That's what I'm talking about. And if you're just joining us, we're in a series called Titus. And what we decided to do as Redemption Church is to go through the entire book of Titus and break it down verse by verse. That's called expository preaching, and that's what we do. And we're in the third week. We're going to be in Titus chapter 1, verse 10 through 16. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up there. Now, the first week, Pastor Aaron broke down the introduction of the book and taught us about the very nature in which this letter was written and how it should be read. You got to remember that this letter is a letter from a father to a son. It's a pastoral letter instructing Titus on how to navigate and course correct these new churches that are being brought up in Crete. And with just This introduction alone, Paul gives us sound doctrine. Paul gives Titus sound doctrine, reminding him, not only him, but us as well, that as God's children, we, as his children, should humbly submit and to serve him with our lives. He says that in just the introduction. Introduction. He also says that we, as his children, should find rest in him, knowing that we, as God's children, were secure in him. You got to understand that the eternity of our lives, our everlasting life, is secured in the everlasting arms of the Father. Amen. Amen. hope you guys see that. That's just the introduction. And with those two truths, this is what Paul says. He says, when you you humbly submit and become a servant of God, and you find security in the everlasting arms of the Father, that's where our faith is common. That's where we share common faith. That's what true believers believe about the gospel, that we are servants of God and secure in the everlasting arms of the Father. And then last week, Pastor Aaron, he Spent time addressing the false teachers in the world. And he also took a little time to let us know what a true leader looks like. A true father, pastor, and elder of a church. And it was a wonderful, wonderful message last week. And today, I'm going to break down three things that I think we should be aware of as children of God. And here they are. Um, uh, So as I was going through Titus chapter 1, verse 10 through 16, these are the three things that caught my attention. Number one is this looking out. we got to be looking out. We should look out and be careful with those that claim to be leaders and teachers. Not everyone that has the title of a pastor or an evangelist or a counselor or a leader has our best interest in mind. (laughs) Not everyone that has those titles have our best interest in mind, and we would be naive to think that there are not those out there leading and teaching in the church that's not doing it for their selfish gain. We're going to spend some time going over that. And the second thing that I got out of this passage is that we need to be looking around. We should look around us. Got to look to our left and look to our right and in front and behind us because there are people in this room right now that think that they're children of God, that think that they're children of God, but they're being led by a false gospel. Sheep whose lives are being driven by moralistic therapeutic deism. You gotta look that up. You gotta study that. There are those around you that think because nothing seriously bad is going on in their lives that God is pleased with them. There are those around you that think that because they pray a little bit and give a little time and money and they sing and they shout and they only listen to Caleb and their TV is set on TBN that they're all right with God. I'm all right with God. Now I'm going to tell you straight up, there's nothing wrong with that lifestyle, but that lifestyle doesn't mean you are right with God. It doesn't mean that. And then the last thing, we're going to cover that a little bit. And then the last thing is this that I found within this text is, we have to be looking within. Yeah. And this is where God just came through and just said, Wes, smack me. So we got to be looking within. Oh, that was, that was interesting. <laughs> and so we should look within ourselves. So the passage ends by addressing the pure in heart and the defiled in heart. And we're going to spend a lot of time on that. We're going to uh, go over this passage, how it talks about how a particular doctrine produces particular people. And and, and the doctrines of the Cretes at this time, it it, it reinforced their gluttonous lifestyle. I wonder if that sounds familiar to anybody. Yeah, yeah. So, So if you do have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Titus chapter 1, verse 10 through 16, and stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. Titus chapter 1, verse 10 through 16. And this is how it reads. It reads like this. It says, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of the people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray today that we in this room, we don't take your word lightly today. I can't help but to think of our nation, God, when I just read about the Cretes and how described them as liars and evil beasts and lazy gluttons. I pray that you wake us up today, God, so that we can live our lives in truth, so that we can live our lives awake and in Christ, in him, transform our hearts, Father, through salvation, transform us through continued sanctification, through grace and renewed mercy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. So, getting into the first point, which is looking out, okay? Looking out. Titus 1.9, it serves as a transition, okay, from what Paul classifies as good elders and leaders to the characteristics of a bad leader and teacher, okay? So, So part B of verse 9 says, a good elder should be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. All right. That's what it says in verse nine. Now, I wonder who those are that are contradicting it. Who in the world is Paul talking about? That's what happens in verse 10. Verse 10 tells us that there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers. Now, this is the kicker right here. These aren't people outside of the church. Okay, these are people in the church, not only people in the church, but these are people of the circumcision party. These are Jewish Christians, so these people have a little bit more bang backing them up when they teach because they really know the law. So these were leaders that were extremely confident in the false doctrines that they were teaching. There was an arrogance with their teaching, and there was a manipulation in their teaching that catered to their greed and to their selfish gain. If you were here last week, that would sound familiar, because that's what Paul was warning Titus about yeah. in verse 7, okay? Yeah. It's there. So in this passage, we actually, in this passage that we're covering this morning, we have a bucket of problems, okay? This is my invisible bucket, and in it is problems, all right? We have, we have, <laughs> we have leaders with bad behavior, bad influence, and bad theology, producing Followers with bad behavior, bad influence, and bad theology. Redemption Alhambra, let me tell you straight up. I'm going to tell you straight up right here. We could be busting out of the seams with people, no seat would be here empty. We could be wall to wall, be like a little skinny little line that we have to go like this to get communion. You know what I mean? We could be busting out of the seams with people. If only Pastor Aaron, Pastor Wayne, and myself, if only we would just preach a gospel of greed, this church would be filled it would be filled. Why? Because our neighborhood, it's set up and it's ripe for the picking. The amount of poverty and fatherlessness and idol worship in our community around us is prime real estate for false teaching. This building that we're in, this building could be done up in such a way to manipulate people into always giving money to the building fund, even though we're not doing anything to the building. I mean, mean, it could be set up so easily for people, pastors who have a greedy agenda to fulfill their agenda. And I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be transparent with you right now. If it wasn't for the grace of God how easy I could be a part of the many who are insubordinate, who is an empty talker, and who is a deceiver because I know my heart. And I thank God for His grace that He didn't push me down that way. Thank you for your mercy and your grace because I know how close I could be to that. So I want you to look, guys. Look out and look, look at your elders, look at your leaders, look at these preachers. We are laying down our power for one another. We are sharing our power. We are laying down our power for the gospel. We are laying down our power for this church. That's what's happening here. And verse 11 tells us this. Verse 11 says that these insubordinate teachers of, and these empty talkers and deceivers, they must be silenced what verse 11 says and the beautiful thing about this passage is when you break it down historically and exegetically you know that Paul is talking about a Paul is talking about particular churches in Crete that Titus has authority over Now what that does is it frees me up as a pastor to look after the congregation that God has entrusted me with and Aaron and Kyle and Josh and Wayne. I don't have to go out and think that I have to course correct everybody on this planet. I don't have to do that. I'm free from that. I no longer have to feel like I have to go out and correct everybody. And I thank God for that freedom. However, I will by the grace of God and power of God try to silence those false teachers that you listen to, Uh, that you listen to. By the power and will of God, we as elders are going to try our hardest by his power to silence those false teachers that you listen to by having you no longer long after their poisonous words that taste like honey, but they're sour to your stomach. They must be silenced in your life. Understand this. God may not want you to be rich with material possessions. Why? Because you should find him as your ultimate wealth. On, on, Understand brother. this. Understand this. This is hard for a lot of people to hear this one. God may not want to heal your body completely. Why? Because in him, it's in Christ that your stripes are healed. I hope you hear me. Oh, man, I was reading this preacher. I was reading this preacher, and he was begging God to take the thorn out of his side. He was begging him and begging him. But do you know what God said to this preacher, man? He said, no, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Oh, I hope you hear the truth. Oh, I hope you hear the word. This is God. This is what he does. That is the truth of his word. You've got to understand this and just wake up with me this morning. Wake up and follow me this morning. There are three wills in this earth. There's the will of Satan. There's the will of man. And there's the will of God. And as believers in the Most High, Believers in Yahweh, believers in Yeshua, HaMashiach, we, we have to join with Jesus and we gotta say, not my will, but Father God, your will be done in my life. We have to do that. That's how the church has to operate. That's how we must be as Christians. So I'm warning you, beware of false teachers. Be cautious who you listen to. Be more considerate in who you're writing that check to. Be more considerate And who you let listen to, who you listen to on your podcast. Be more considerate of who Jesus is so that the Jesus that they paint in your mind doesn't contradict the true and living God. Will you look out? That's all I'm asking. Looking around. Looking around back to verse 11 it says that they must be silenced right it says that the insubordinate empty talkers and deceivers must be silenced right why because these teachings they were upsetting whole families That's what it says in verse 11. Now, I don't want you to think that these families were being upset and going out and picketing these preachers. They weren't out there because they were upset protesting, like, get him off, get him off. That's not how they were upset. This is how they were upset. This is what was going on. These families were being upset because they were actually buying into the false teaching. That's what was happening. So this is Paul talking to Titus about these families that think life is good that think they are following God and that think that, 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 that they are of the faith when they're really not. Paul sees this false doctrine destroying families, yeah. pushing them further from the truth, yeah. deceiving families, yeah. making a mockery of God's word. Paul sees these false teachers upsetting whole families by leading them astray, and these families, they were so quick to give up their time and their money to these teachers. The rituals or laws were being demanded of these people, and they thought that doing these things were the means into which to get to heaven. You see, it was easier for them to follow a set of rules than to follow the law of liberty that's only found in Christ. It was easy for them to reap what they have sown when they didn't have to sow their entire lives into the ministry. It was easy for them to feel like a child of God because the demands of the people and leaders that were put on the churches, it seemed like they were being reached, they were reaching those demands. And if they were reaching those demands, they must have been pleasing God. But no, all they were doing was pleasing the false teachers. I hope you guys see that. It was easy for them to be caught up in Jewish myths and the demands of the people. Why? Because the cross of Christ need not be worn on their backs. Or in their spirits. So it was easy for them. Everything that was taught. By these false teachers. And everything. That those false teachers asked. Of the congregation. Was reinforced. By the quote that Paul used. In verse 12. Epimenides Is the one that Paul is quoting. That's the prophet that Paul is quoting. In verse 12. When he said that Cretans are always liars. Evil beasts and lazy gluttons. And when you look at verse 12, you can see clearly in the transition of verse 13, it's clear that Paul is telling Titus to not only rebuke the false teachers, but also those families that are following them. It's deeper than just the false teachers. Why? Because people are pulled into the vision that they actually want to live in, even if it's not God's. Whatever it is they want to live in, they get pulled into that vision. Think about this. Where are you at this morning? What are you envisioning this morning? Work with me here. Is it Jesus? Is it just your family? Oh, man, our nation is hot right now. Where is your vision? Is it Jesus or political parties? Let me know, is it Jesus or your position in life? Let me know, is it Jesus or material gain? Is it Jesus or popularity? Is it Jesus or socialization? Is it Jesus or the preservation of a lifestyle? Where are you this morning? Because there's only one constant in that list that's worth more than all the pleasures of this world. And I say, take the world, but give me Jesus. Take this world away, but give me Jesus. Oh, can you say that with me this morning? Can you say that confidently with me this morning? Take this world, take all the fleeting pleasures of this this world and give me you, Jesus. Can you say that in a prayer? Can you say that confidently? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus well enough to say that with confidence? I want you to look around, look around. Because there's many in this room that can't. Which is why we need to look within. Looking within. As, a, as we transition into verse 15, we have to get something clear before we move forward. It's imperative to understand this point. We have to understand this point. We have to break down the word all in verse 15. And we have to put it in its proper context. Because if we don't, we could easily be placed in the category of false teachers and the ones that follow them if we don't get this word broken down. It says this in verse 15. It says, To the pure in heart, all things are pure. Do you guys see that there? I'm not making it up, right? You reading that? You following with me? All right. To the pure in heart, all things are pure, but to the defiled, nothing is pure. If this is not put in its proper context, there are many that can make a case calling defiled things pure. Why? Because you could say, I'm pure in heart. And if I'm pure in heart, Didn't it just say that all things are pure? So you could take something like pornography or something really, really bad that's straight up defiled and you could try to make a case for saying that this is holy and this is beautiful because of that word all. You can do that. But what we have to understand, putting this word in its proper context, we have to look at it like this. Paul is building a case. And in verse 14, Paul talks about being sound in faith and then he ends it with being in the truth. I hope you guys see that there in verse 14. And it's not only there, but through, from verse 1 all the way down, Paul talks about sound doctrine, being sound in the faith. He's talking about these things. It's there. But verse 14, he's just making it more prevalent. So Paul, what he's doing is he's taking sound faith and truth and placing them together, which makes up faith in the gospel. This is the gospel. So that word all, it represents just that, The gospel. It's the gospel. All things are pure when it comes to the gospel. Let me give you an example. Here's, some, here's two examples. Here's the first one. To the pure in heart, mercy is pure. God's mercy is pure when you're pure in heart. God's mercy, it liberates the soul. God's mercy, it frees those who are pure in heart because we know it's by his mercy that our spirits have come alive this morning. It frees us. But to the defiled, to the defiled in heart, God's mercy is a weight. It's a weight. His mercy is a burden because it stares people right in the face. His mercy is tainted because they refuse it and they never ask for it anyways, so they don't feel a peace when they see God's mercy. All they see is judgment when it comes to God's mercy. I hope you see the difference. Here's the other example, it's God's sovereignty. Look at this, God's sovereignty to the pure in heart is like fresh living water in the midst of a drought. Oh man, everything around us is chaotic. Everything around us makes us have anxiety and we're worried, but we know that God's sovereign and we're drinking from the living water of his yes. spirit. That's God's sovereignty. That's God's sovereignty to us. God's sovereignty is, man, I know my life is bad here. Man, I know things are going bad there, but you know what? I have peace because I have purpose and because I know I'm going to live eternal because God is sovereign. Now to the defiled in heart, God's sovereignty is a nuisance. It's it's an invasion on what they consider life. It's It's an unwanted stain on their conscience, not allowing them to reach the pinnacle of their sinful lifestyles. You see the difference? There's pure in heart and there's defiled in heart. To the pure, all things are pure. To the defiled, nothing is pure. I hope you guys see that. the amazing thing about that truth this is amazing to me is the truth of the gospel is always under attack it's always under attack why because the truth of the gospel the light of Christ it reveals the heart that's what it does it reveals the heart and I have an illustration and I hope it works I think it worked in the first service see if it works here okay I want you to to imagine that you're in your house all right You're in your house, and you're just chilling, and now all of a sudden, it just got dark, the sun went down, and it's a darker night, you're just not used to this, like, man, it's really dark, and then, boom, all your power goes out. You got no lights, it's really dark, you're all looking around for candles and stuff, and then you realize, dang it, I don't got no candles, Then you're like, man, I knew my wife told me to get that flashlight, now I don't got no flashlight. Now, she's yelling at you about the flashlight. Kids are screaming about, where's the lights? Where's the light, daddy? Where's the light? So you got all this. It's, it's pitch black. You got all this ruckus going on. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just starts stinking <laughs> up in your house. I mean, the odor is just nasty. I mean, it's so bad that and you're so frustrated because the wife's yelling at you. The kids are screaming. And now this stanky smell's coming. You're like, you know what? We're not even packing. We're just leaving can't stand this problem. We're just going to abandon this house, abandon all our possessions, and we're going to go find somewhere else to live because I can't stand this problem. And then right when you guys are about to leave, the lights cut back on. So it's been hours and hours and hours, and all of a sudden the light cuts back on. And you're like, yes. And immediately you locate the stench. You locate the stench, and you're able to deal with that stench without drastically changing your life without doing something that you would regret later. Now here's my question to you. This is my question. Do you blame the light for the odor that was defiling your house? Or do you actually blame the item that the smell was coming from? What do you do? That's the bottom line that Paul is trying to reach here with this passage, it's the heart. The truth of the gospel is a light That shines on the pure and the defiled. That's what happens. You see, the pure in heart will see flaws when the light shines on them. But what they do is they repent and they praise God for the light of truth that he so graciously shone on them. The defiled in heart will see flaws when the light shines on them. And they will blame God for the light shining. Oh, I hope you see the difference. They have no drive to change what's going on. They have no drive. You know what? This is what Paul says. Those people, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Where are you this morning? Where do you fit? Where do you stand? Where's your heart? Is it filled with joy because the light of Christ has shone? Or is it troubled because the light of Christ has shone? Where's your heart? I pray that by the power of the Spirit, that the light of Christ has shone upon your heart and that through the power of God, you are able to recognize it. And through his power, your heart is transformed. I hope you don't ignore what God is showing you. And to those in this room right now whose hearts have not been transformed by God, those who are defiled or impure in heart, I hope and I pray that you don't take this message lightly. Do not take this message lightly this morning. Let me remind you that Paul in this passage isn't talking about people outside of the church. He is not doing that. Paul is talking about people inside the church. People with defiled hearts inside the church that profess to know God, but are miles away from the gospel. Miles away. That's who Paul's talking about. And I want to make a plea to those people. Please, please, don't always have an accusation On your tongue that was formulated from the pit of your soul that is quick to accuse others of things that you don't even do yourself. Accusations like this. The church, they just don't fellowship. No, you don't fellowship. The church, the church, the church is greedy. They never give of their possessions. No, you don't give. The church, the church, they never they never helped me out with anything. No, you're not helping. I hope you see this. What you seek, you don't do, which is the product of not knowing the gospel. It's the product of entitlement. It's the product of thinking you deserve more than God's wrath. Will you wake up this morning? Wake up this morning. Wake up this morning. It's professing to know God, but denying him by your actions. You see, right there is the scary thing about this passage. Paul says that the false teachers and the ones that follow them, they are the ones that are defiled in heart, detestable, unfit for any good work. The bottom line, those people that are in the church need salvation, need salvation. Where are you? Where are you this morning? When the light of Christ has shone upon your hearts, do you handle it? How do you handle it? Whatever is being revealed to you, do you handle it through the grace that was provided to you by the love of Christ, which was displayed through his death, burial, and resurrection? Is that how you handle it? Or do you simply blame the light for shining? Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you. Thank you so much for your gospel. I pray that through the power of your spirit that somebody in this room woke up this morning. I pray that they woke up and that they seen the light of Christ and I pray that they were saved this morning. I pray, God, that one of your elect were regenerated today by trusting in your work. You know, the work of your spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I pray that they trust in your work. I pray, God, that the light of Christ exposed all of our hearts in this room. All of our hearts. And I pray that repentance is on the tongue of everybody in this room. Father God, I pray that in you, we find our identity. In you, we consider life and what life is truly about. In you, I pray that we raise our families. In you, God, I pray that we submit, that we find our security, and that we are strengthened in our faith. God, I pray all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.